what I do want to say is that, that I know God is doing an incredible thing in people's lives, in all of our lives, and the book of Philippians was so powerful in that he's doing a work in us. He starts from the inside out, and he, he gets in there, and he, and he changes things, and he messes with us, yeah, but, but it's a good kind of messing, right? And he, he puts us right, and he makes us right. And, and I've been seeing God do that in Alex's life, and Alex is going to share with us today and uh, we've been talking about, you know, we've been uh, doing Bible studies, and, and he's been, uh, we started a Bible study together, and then he kind of took over, and he's been do- faithful doing Bible studies with men, and, and he, he fills in for me on Wednesday nights sometimes, and, and, but God has been blessing him, and, and we all love him anyways. I don't even have to say this, but I, but I, but I, but I want to say this is living proof, and, and that's really what our lives, every one of us should be living proof, that God is real. So Alex is going to come share with us. Let's uh, welcome our friend and brother Alex. Good morning, church. It's uh, awesome to be up here um, to share with you guys what God's put on my heart over the last uh, week or so after uh, Rich had asked me to come up here and, uh, and do this. And um, it's sobering, you know. This is a huge responsibility, you know. I know that I have to give an account to God for every word that I say to you here today. And, or every word I don't say because I'm afraid or nervous. Um, so we're going to be speaking about discipleship, which is something that I'm somewhat familiar with. As you know, I went to a discipleship program called U-Turn for Christ in South Carolina. And most of you guys probably don't need that kind of discipleship, but I, on the other hand, did. Um, I was a hard case, just stubborn and uh, rebellious. And God brought me to a place where... Um, he confronted me with all that stuff, with all the stuff I had been doing, how I'd been living. And he offered me something new, something better. And uh, finally I took it, <laughs> took advantage of it. And since then it's, uh, it's just been amazing. I mean, it's coming up on three years now. And, uh, all right, I'm going to stop. Uh, <laughs> turn to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, how it instructs us and uh, teaches us and speaks to us, Lord, and um, how it is sufficient for all things, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would just um, pour out your mercy and your grace in here today, Lord, that um, you would speak through me, Lord, that the message that you put on my heart was from you, Lord, and that... um, you would be glorified in it, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is a familiar verse, right? Most of us have all heard this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Please don't cry. <laughs> I just started. <laughs> cry at the end, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's familiar. It's probably right up there with John three sixteen, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples. And that's the part we're really going to be uh, 
focusing on. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, okay? Sometimes, because things are familiar, they get overlooked, okay? These are some of Jesus' last words to his disciples, some of his final instructions, okay? And we do well to remember this and to not overlook it, to, to focus on it, okay? It's a pretty simple direction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, okay? That's where we're going to be focusing, just on those few words, okay? It's simple, like I said, okay? That's one of the things I love most about God, right? How he makes things simple enough for us to understand. I think we often overcomplicate things, turn them into something we don't need to turn them into. God wants us to understand them. He doesn't want to confuse us. We just need to look and hear and listen. Like this command, for example, okay? This command is very clear. Go and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. This is a command. It's, it's directive, okay? It's straightforward. Jesus doesn't qualify or leave any gray area here. There's not a lot of room for debate or confusion about it. He simply says, go and make disciples. It's a simple direction, simple directive, a command, but we need to understand a few things in order to obey it. Okay, first, who's it to? Second, what's a disciple? And third, how do we make disciples? How do we obey this? Okay. So first, who is it to? Again, simply because I like simple. It's to everyone who follows Jesus, who has been born again of the Spirit of God. If you profess to follow Jesus, you are a disciple, and this command is to you. It's not directed only to the apostles, or to pastors, or to evangelists, or worship leaders, or Bible study teachers. It's to all of us who have been born again. We can't, we shouldn't think that this is for someone else for someone who has a position of authority or somebody who's higher up in the, the church or something, okay? This is to each and every one of us who believe in Jesus, okay? Now consider this, how we're the result of this command being followed. If this, this command was only for the first 11, 11 apostles, right, how would it have trickled down to us, okay? Um, we're the result of this command being followed throughout the generations, okay? If the generation after the apostles hadn't followed it, then how would each generation that came after know about it, okay? Over the past 2,000 years, the command, this command and the process of making disciples has been going on. Driven by the Holy Spirit, man has been used by God to disciple the next generation, okay? We have a good example of this in 2 Timothy 2, if you want to turn there. Rich told me to smile a lot. Now, I've got to be honest, that's not one of my strong points, okay? So if you smile at me once in a while and nod, I'd really appreciate it. It might remind me to smile. <laughs> that was about all the pointers he gave me, too, by the way. <laughs> smile up there. He must have known that's somewhere I struggle. <laughs> um, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2. And this is Paul writing to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We know that Paul spent a lot of time with Tim Timothy. They ministered together. He called him his son in the faith, okay? Now, this is his last letter that he wrote to Timothy, and one of the last things that he you felt so strongly about to pass on to Timothy was this point, okay? Um, Timothy was to pass on what he had learned from Paul 
to men who could be trusted to pass it on to others. Not just men that would listen to Timothy, men that would then go and pass on. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm easily distracted, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, pass it on to other people, okay? Pass it on to other faithful men, okay? We are a result of men like Paul passing the baton to Timothy, then Timothy passing it on to faithful men, and so on and so on, all the way to now. Now the baton is on our ends. It's in our hands, okay? The task falls to us now. It's our job now as followers to pass on what we've been taught. If we're not about that, if we drop the ball, who's going to disciple the next generation? Okay? We're the vehicle God chooses to use to grow his kingdom, to make disciples of faithful men who will then do the same. Okay? Unfortunately, we as believers today have seemed to miss this a bit. We may come to church or witness to others or have been used by God to lead someone to Christ. We do all kinds of acts of service. We may be part of a Sunday school. We may be part of the festival. Those, those are all good things. Those are all awesome things. But just coming to church on Sunday or coming to Bible study on Wednesday night, that doesn't necessarily make us a disciple. Okay? I came to church for years, and I wasn't a disciple. Ten years or so I came to church, and I was never a disciple. I was never a follower. Okay? As far as leading some of the Christ, suppose you've been honored with that, where you get to share um, the gospel with somebody and they receive it. And that's an honor and a blessing that God wants to pour out on us as his, as his children um, to do that. that. That's awesome, I mean, to lead someone to Christ. But now they need to learn how to walk in the fullness of that new life. Okay? It doesn't end there. Okay? So their salvation is secure, but now what? You know, We can't just leave them out there to learn how to walk and live um, according to the world standards, okay? They're new soldiers and they need to be trained, okay? Who's gonna train them? Us, we're the believers, okay? Warren Wearsby puts it like this. In most churches, the congregation pays the pastor to preach, to win the lost, to build up the saved, to build up the saved, while the church members function as cheerleaders if they're enthusiastic or spectators. The converts are one, baptized and given the right hand of fellowship. Then they join the other spectators. How much faster our churches would grow and how much stronger and happier our church members would be if each one were discipling another believer. The only way a local church can be fruitful and multiply instead of growing by addition is with a systematic discipleship program. This is the responsibility of every believer and not just a small group who have been called to go. So who is this to? To all believers. Not just some. We're all called to this. Okay? So what is a disciple? Um, before we look at what a disciple of Jesus Christ is, let's just get an understanding of what the word disciple means. Okay? Some of the more common ways to describe or define a disciple as a follower or a pupil or a student. Okay? I agree that disciples are students. But it conveys, the word disciple conveys more than just attending school or taking a class. We don't really look at a high school kid as a disciple of his homeroom teacher or his principal, right? Okay? So there's more to it than that, okay? A follower seems closer to me, okay? Just the definition of a follower means he's following somebody, you know? But in that, that means he's giving up control. He's giving up the lead. He's giving up the direction to somebody else. He's a follower, okay? All he needs to be concerned about is following. He's not worried about where they're going. He lets the leader worry about that. Some other things about just a 
just the basic word disciple before we get into a disciple of Jesus Christ, okay? A disciple is someone who by their own choice puts themselves under the training and authority of a teacher or master. The greatest desire of any disciple is to be like their master. It's a position of submission, of one owns accord. It's willing. It's not forced. It's putting oneself under the training and direction of another. A disciple of anyone eats, breathes, sleeps to be like his master. Being like their master is everything to them. They're all in. It's not half-hearted. It's fully committed. When I was a kid, I used to watch Kung Fu Theater. Okay? Now, I don't know if any of you have watched it. Probably some of you are familiar with at least some of it. It's really, they were made in Japan or China, and the dubbing of the, of the English voices into it is horrible, you know, and the, the mouth is all off and everything. So. But um, typically, I used to watch that a lot when I was a kid, and typically, that was the first time I think I ever heard the word disciple, and it was all choppy because it was someone's English voice in a, in a Chinese man's body, right? But, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going back in my head to that part. Um, so where I'm going with that was, uh, now, in those stories, the typical story went something like this, okay? A village gets sacked by some warlord, okay? Or a, a leader of some group of bandits attacks this village, okay? And there's usually, you know, one kid who survives, okay? And maybe somebody might, maybe a couple of people survive, but this one kid survives, you know, and he's 12 or 13 years old, and he wants revenge. He wants revenge on his, his village, his parents, and and whatnot. He wants to take out this warlord. And he goes to what they call a, uh, a monastery, you know, or a, uh, but basically it's where he learns martial arts, okay? It's where he learns to uh, follow some, you know, great lofty sensei, or whatever you want to call it, okay? Some, some powerful man in martial arts, you know? And this kid will leave everything, he leaves, and maybe there's not much left in his village anyway, but he leaves it, okay? He leaves everything, and he goes and he lives with this guy, a monk usually or something like that, and he eats with him, he trains with him, he gets hit with sticks, stuff thrown at him for years, you know? But this kid has a drive, he has a purpose and a goal. He wants to know what that master knows so he can go back and have revenge on the warlord. I'm not endorsing revenge at all, by the way, okay? <laughs> Just that's that was the that's the disciple. When I think of the word disciple, that's what I think. This kid gave up everything for his goal, which was to be like his master. Okay. Now a disciple of Christ should have all that desire and commitment. We should have all that within us. Okay, willing to cast aside everything to follow for our goal to be like Christ. Okay. But we have much more than that. We have the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, okay, to empower us and to motivate us, to drive us on. It's not, about, it's not all about our own effort or our own goal, okay? Jesus says in John 14, 25 through 26, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So we're not going at this alone, okay? This is a promise from God that the Holy Spirit will be with us always, okay? Now let's look at some verses and see some traits or characteristics of a disciple of Christ. Matthew 4, 
I gotta be honest too, I really have no idea how long this is gonna take me to get through these five pages, so if I uh, cut it off at the end, sorry. <laughs> Matthew 4, verses 19 through 22. Starting in verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father. Mending their nets, he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Again, pretty common verse. We've probably all heard this, right? Okay. You know, and we can kind of overlook something here. Um, these guys weren't, you know, sports fishermen, you know, out on a Saturday morning trying to catch striper or largemouth, okay? Fishing was their life, okay? Have you ever met a commercial fisherman? Any of you? Joe. Joe. <laughs> Explain some things. <laughs> I worked for a long time in Boston um, uh, in construction, and I worked with a group of guys from Gloucester. And I don't know if most of you guys know Gloucester's a fishing village, okay? These guys were peculiar, to say the least, okay? <laughs> it's like, you know, they worked in the off-season as a laborer uh, for construction, but they were all about fishing. They, this was, that was their life, I mean, they lived, their fathers and brothers and brother-in-laws and cousins and everyone were fishermen. All their friends were fishermen. They lived a half a mile from where they went to, go, to get on the boat to go fishing. That was everything to them, okay? It was everything to them. Um, they were like a clique. They were like a whole subculture. Um, they were respected by their peers. Even when we had coffee break and stuff together, they all kind of huddled together. They were like a tight-knit group of people. Um, and I don't mean, I'm not being derogatory about commercial fishermen. It's a, it's a good job. <laughs> um, but this wasn't just a hobby for them, going fishing like we think about going fishing, okay? Um, they were accepted, and they were part of something, you know? And I, I tend to think that even then, when this was written, when this happened, that that's how it was for that community. These guys weren't just leaving, you know, a Saturday morning, you know, trip on the rowboat to go fishing. They were leaving everything to follow Jesus. Okay? Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Again, apparently without any hesitation, he left everything and followed. He just got up from his chair and left. Doesn't say anything about him thinking about it or considering it or, or anything. Just get, get up and go. I mean, so we see in just a few examples, a few verses, okay, a willingness to abandon their former lives and follow Jesus. They left their jobs and homes, just about all they had, without so much as a second thought, they got up and followed Jesus. They left everything to follow Jesus. Peter even uh, brings this to Jesus' attention, in case Jesus had missed it, after the encounter with the rich young ruler. Let's look at uh, Matthew 19, 
23 through 27. So this is after Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler, another uh, section of scripture that we're all pretty familiar with, okay? Starting in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And this is the verse that I wanted to point out, verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Okay? They left all, okay? They had left all to follow. They didn't seem to hold on to anything of their former lives. You know? Peter wasn't carrying his fishing pole. Uh, Matthew wasn't carrying his calculator to follow Jesus, okay? There's abacus, right? <laughs> okay, one more verse. Uh, John 6. Now, again, this is some characteristics and some traits of disciples of Jesus that we're looking at, right? Have I been smiling enough? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that's good. You guys are very polite. Thank you. <laughs> John 6, starting in verse 66. Now, this is after Jesus had given his teaching on eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood, okay? From that, and some of his disciples were like, that's a hard teaching. Who can understand it, okay? And start picking up in 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What Peter's saying here is, Lord, to whom shall we go, is um, who else are we going to follow? You're not just a good choice or even the best choice. He's saying you're the only choice to receive eternal life. There's no point in following anyone else, including myself. It's just pointless. You're the only one to follow. So what I see in the lives of the disciples is a willingness to follow, laying aside all else without hesitation. That's the thing that stands out most clear to me about disciples of Jesus Christ, just the willingness. A disciple of Jesus must have a willingness to follow, always, no matter what we choose to follow. Disciples of Christ choose to follow. It's part of the job description. Okay? It's our choice. But if we call ourselves disciples... We should have the same attitude as Peter and Matthew to lay aside everything else, to choose to lay down all else and follow him who called us. Okay? We should also have the willingness to then follow this command to go and make disciples. I see it as they go hand in hand. You can't really separate them. You can't call yourself a disciple if you're not making disciples. It's, it's part of the job description. Okay? There's something else we should take note of here in John 6, 6, 6. Okay? 
John chapter 6, verse 66. Some decided to no longer follow. And I always found this verse kind of interesting, okay? Um, well, more what I found interesting was Jesus' response to it. Notice how Jesus didn't chase them? He didn't force them to come back? There's a good lesson in that for us, okay? We can't make someone willing to follow. That's not our job. We can't even make ourselves follow, for that matter, okay? God calls man, and we respond, or we don't. That's God's department, okay? A willingness to follow Jesus is God's work in someone's heart. Only God can make a hard, stubborn heart soft and willing. I'll smile again. Okay. Excuse me. Okay, how do we make disciples? I'm going to try to move along quick here because it looks like I got about five minutes. Sorry. Uh, Let's look at how Jesus did it. Okay? He's the ultimate example. Okay? The first disciple maker. First, he called them. Okay? As we've already looked, we've already seen. Okay? Um,. God makes the first move. He does the calling, not us. Okay? We're not about, we don't call people to, to, to Jesus Christ. God does that. Okay? We present the good news to them. Okay? That's our job, presenting the gospel, that there's mercy for sinners, that there's, a, there's um, salvation for those who put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's our job. Okay? We don't do the calling. That's God's job. God softens sinners' hearts to receive the gift of salvation, not us. That's part of the calling, okay? Second thing we see about Jesus and how he discipled um, his disciples, he invested in them, okay? His time, his energy, his resources. He lived with these guys. He traveled with them. He ate with them. They went everywhere with them for the the years of his earthly ministry. I mean, these guys were like little puppies following everywhere he went, okay? Okay? Little sheep, rather, and puppies, sorry. Okay. Um, he didn't just spend an hour with them on Sunday mornings or an hour with them on Thursday afternoons. Okay. He poured his life into them. He was available to them. When they needed him, when they asked him something, he took the time to explain it to them. He took the time to instruct them. He was there for them. Okay. So that's a good, um, a good lesson for us. Third, he instructed them. Jesus never missed an opportunity to teach his disciples, whether from the scripture or through parables. He was continually training them, constantly refining them, constantly leading them. There was never a point when Jesus said, I'm not leading you today, or I'm not, I'm, you know, for this week I'm going on vacation, you're on your own. Never. He was constantly leading them. He was always about it. Okay? Um, fourth, he protected them. Okay? When the Pharisees tried to undermine the truths that he had shared with them or what he had been teaching them, he rebuked them. He rebuked the Pharisees and, and protected his uh, disciples. Okay? I kind of see it as you know, the shepherd you know, scaring off the wolves with the, with the, the cane. You know, get away from my sheep. These are my sheep, and you're not going to uh, sink your teeth into them. Okay? Also, another way he protected them is he sent them out two by two, right? He didn't send them off alone, okay? We always have the Holy Spirit, okay? But, he, you know, God sees the importance of accountability and fellowship with other, with other people. Serving him um, with another brother or a sister is important, 
Okay? We need to remember, oh, I'm sorry, back up. In conclusion, most importantly, Jesus is still the one who makes disciples, okay? We're just the tools that he wants to use to do it, okay? He didn't need any help with the first disciples, and he still doesn't. He chooses to use us. It's an honor and a privilege to be used by God in this way. And we should see it like that, okay? But making disciples can be very difficult, <laughs> can be frustrating. When we invest in people's lives and sacrifice on their behalf, but see no change in direction, it can hurt. We get disappointed. Um, when we spend, you know, lay our lives out there and like sacrifice our time to, uh, to, to be instructing another brother or, um, or whatever, just investing in them, okay, and we see no fruit, we get discouraged. That, that's our tendency. We can't, we shouldn't be discouraged, okay? Because God promises if we sow good seeds, and those are good seeds, okay? In due season, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up, okay? We need to remember we can't force anyone to follow Jesus or to be discipled. Jesus didn't force anyone, and we shouldn't try either. It's, that's not us. We can't twist somebody's arm. No matter how much they're hurting themselves, no matter how much they're destroying their lives or the people around them, we can't go grab somebody by the back of the neck and say, go this way. That's, we can't do that, unfortunately, right? Because how many times would we want to, right? But that's not the plan. That's not how it works, okay? <clears throat> so maybe some of you here have never been discipled. Well, it's not too late, and it's no coincidence you're here today, okay? First, what you need to do is ask God for a willing heart, willing to cast aside all else and follow his son, then look around the room at someone who is following the Lord, someone who loves and fears him, and ask them for help. Ask them. Tell them, I want to be discipled. There are mature believers here who have been following the Lord for a long time and would be able to point you in the right direction. That direction is toward Jesus. Okay? You know, somebody who's been on the path a little longer than we have, a more mature believer. Rich is taking notes, man. <laughs> He's cracking it. <laughs> All right, all right, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you were walking on a path that you weren't familiar with, right, and you had somebody ahead of you, okay, somebody who's been down the path a little further than you, wouldn't you want them to call back to you and say, hey, watch out, there's a slippery rock there? Or watch out, the, you know, there's a branch, a low-hanging branch, okay? You know, that's what God wants to use you as in discipling another believer, Okay. Maybe somebody who can shine light when the path seems to get dark. Not their own light, Jesus' light. Okay. Or maybe you haven't actually been, or maybe you haven't actively been discipling anyone. Well, look around the room. There are people willing to be discipled and who need to be discipled right in this very room. Like I said, it can be hard at times. It's a risk. Okay. But if you're following Christ, then I'm convinced he has someone here he wants you to disciple. He wants to use you to disciple, to invest in. To invest in somebody else here in this room, to be available to. When they call you, you know, do you answer your phone or you, you know, put it on vibrate and figure it out, call them back later and you never call. To instruct or to teach. Now, instructing and teaching is all from God's word, okay? 
not everyone in here has, you don't have to be a Bible scholar or a theologian to, to teach somebody the truths and the principles of God. Like I go back to the beginning of what I was saying, God makes it simple. Too often we overcomplicate things. Too often we get wrapped up in the details and get distracted. Okay? We don't have to do that. God makes it simple. God wants to use all of you to disciple somebody. Okay? Another part like Jesus protected. Okay? God is somebody here who he wants you to disciple, and part of that is protecting them. Okay? There is a lot, a ton of false teaching and heresy going on in this world. It's all around us let alone just what the world tries to teach people. People disguised as Christ, people um, saying that they're coming in the name of Christ, okay? They're, you need to be on guard about that, and that may be part of your job when you're discipling somebody else to warn people of that, okay? And we're blessed here. Our pastor teaches straight from the Word of God. It's amazing, you know? We don't have, all we have to do is look at it ourselves, <laughs> you know? We don't have to trust somebody else to... Uh, to decipher it for us. He speaks clearly, he speaks um, applicably to, to stuff that's going on in, in just our normal lives, okay? It's not confusing, okay? But, but again, this world would seek to destroy people, to suck them in, okay? So part of your job of discipling somebody, part of the job of discipling somebody is to protect people from, from that stuff, okay? So I hope this message encouraged all of you as much as it did me to follow Jesus. Again, it's a simple command, and it's to everyone who's professed the name of Jesus, everyone who's put their trust in Jesus, everyone who's a believer, everyone who's a new creation, however you want to put it, it's your job. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you again so much for this opportunity to um, share what you put on my heart with uh, your saints, Lord, your people. Um, I pray, Lord, that your word would um, just penetrate people's hearts, Lord, would fall on fertile ground and take root and, um, and begin to grow and bear fruit, Lord. I pray that um, people here, Lord, who you're stirring their heart to, to be discipling someone else, Lord, that you would bring that person who you want to, um, them to invest into their minds and to their hearts right now. Lord, I pray for the people here who haven't been discipled, Lord, um, or in need of more discipling. I pray that you would uh, just give them a humble heart, Lord, just the willingness to follow you and to follow others who are following you. Again, Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord, for all that you do, for having a plan for this day and for just being who you are. All the glory to you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.